Hello, and welcome to the Careers by Design podcast. I'm Sharon Belden-Castingway, director of the Gordon Career Center at Wesleyan University. Today, I'm joined by Ed Heffernan, class of 1984. Ed, uh, to start, can you tell me a little bit about your current professional role? Sure. Currently, I'm CEO of Alliance Data, which uh, some of you here would know through one of our companies, Epsilon, and we are a Fortune 500 company, S&P 500, listed on the New York Stock Exchange, and we have about 18,000 employees, and so it's uh, fairly large, uh, focused on data and the digital uh, areas of the, the business space. Great. Uh, let's go back in time a little bit. Were you the type of kid who had a lemonade stand in his front yard? Did you know from a young age that this is where you were headed? No, uh, not a clue. Uh, in fact, it was still uh, very much up in the air when I went here, but uh, I spent most of my time actually just playing hockey. So uh, I, I actually, what brought me to Wesleyan had to do with, I like the small liberal arts uh, background and I was sort of a math guy, uh, but I also uh, had a chance to step out and play hockey right away. So uh, you put the package together; it was uh, for me a lot of fun. Why a liberal arts education? Well, I think liberal arts. Uh, if you're in in sort of high school and you're trying to th- figure out what you want to do and you don't really know what you want to do, uh, then you owe it to yourself to go out there and try different things. And as a student, uh, the, the opportunity to not only study math and economics, but government and English and other areas within Wesleyan uh, gave me a good chance to figure out really what I liked and what I didn't like. So it was more of a, it was, it was less of a, oh gosh, I really want to be a liberal arts graduate, it was more of, I'm not really sure what I want to be, and uh, I better try a bunch of different things. Okay. How did Wesleyan change you? Did you find that there were ways in which you were a different person when you graduated than when you started? Sure. I think with Wes, um, you know, it was uh, an eye-opening experience for me uh, in the sense having never been away from home and you get to, you know, live in your dorm and all that other good stuff that comes with college. Uh, but specific, specifically, I had a very good experience here, obviously, and um, I had uh, a great deal of fun, made some very good friends, learned a lot. But I would say one of the unique aspects of Wesleyan that um, I try to make sure uh, we have in our culture at our company today is the whole concept of, look, you need to be able to work in an environment that has many different cultures, many different views, people from many different backgrounds, and especially in the world of tech, where a lot of these things are no longer someone locked away in their office doing a bunch of work, but they're group projects. And you need experts um, that can pull together someone from marketing, someone from programming, someone from data and analytics and digital. And the ability to dive in and understand the other person and who they are is invaluable. And that's actually, that's why we come and we recruit fairly heavily here at Wes. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you did right out of college yourself. 
Right out of college, actually, I was uh, fortunate in the sense of I knew uh, that the business world, I didn't know what part of the business world, but it did intrigue me. Um, and uh, so I went right away to Columbia uh, for business school. And, you know, they, they take a few folks right out of college. Usually, you know, you really need five or seven years, but uh, they took pity on me and uh, let me in. <laughs> Tell me about your experience in the MBA program. Was that a difficult thing to do without prior experience and with a liberal arts education? Uh, for me, I actually found uh, Columbia to be quite a bit easier than Wesleyan. Uh, I found the MBA program uh, to be a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think part of it was I did have a very heavy quantitative background, mm -hmm. uh, which is helpful when you're going through B-School. So if you're a, a math major and you know, you're doing differential equations and then you go to business school, you step it down a huge notch. Um, so that was helpful. And um, you know, all the other things that you pick up from uh, a, a generalized background uh, just like writing, writing a good paper, um, you know, which is taken for granted, uh, but the fact is there are a number of people I still remember who, who were heavy-duty engineering types and had a very difficult time doing it. So, again, that broad-based liberal arts with maybe a little touch of a quantitative background uh, I think is pretty important in today's business world. So by the time you finished your MBA, what kind of professional experience did you have? Did you have internships, summer jobs, anything that prepared you for the real world, quote unquote, when you graduated from Columbia? Sure. I, uh, I taught water skiing uh, <laughs> over the summers. So that was my uh, that was my big career uh, prior to going out into the real world. And that's true. So, um no, I was I was probably an outlier uh, back then, and uh, which would make sense going to Wesleyan, uh, and also uh, a bit of an outlier today. But for the most part, sure, I had a little internship here and there, but um, it was it was a very um, you know intense recruiting season when you're at one of those B schools, and uh, there's no sh shortage of jobs, and I think. One of the things I noticed is you had uh, probably six or seven of my classmates were from, were from Wes, and if you figure the size of the class isn't that big, uh, Wesleyan has an excellent reputation in terms of a pipeline into mm -hmm. one of the big B schools, which I think is also something that people should consider. Mm -hmm. And I know that from having worked in business schools myself, that the recruiting process in an MBA program can be like drinking from a fire hose. Right. So how did you make a determination of how you were going to start to evaluate your options and make a decision of the course you wanted to take? Yeah, it was the time. So this was back in the, uh, this was 86, and that was uh, all the rage was Wall Street and everything on Wall Street. And um, because Columbia was in New York City, you had the big investment banks from Wall Street recruiting huge amounts of students. And so I just sort of went with the flow. I, I was very interested in finance and how Wall Street worked. And um, I really wanted to see what the banking world was all about. And so I uh, took the subway down and uh, started my career on Wall Street. And where, did, where exactly did you start and in what role? 
started a company called uh, First Boston, uh, which is now Credit Suisse mm -hmm. uh, First Boston. It was one of what they called the bulge bracket firms back then, uh, one of the blue chip investment banks. And I was in uh, corporate finance there and more of a uh, internship type program uh, where they would rotate you through a number of different specialties throughout mm -hmm. the firm uh, over a couple year period and uh, it was it was fascinating and then of course uh, got a nice big paycheck my first year out thought it was all uh, going to be gravy from there and then uh, the crash of 87 mm -hmm. hit and uh, you had uh, no bonuses and bunches of layoffs, uh, so I managed to keep my head down and get through that. But uh, that was my first introduction to um, some of the downsides of the business cycle. Right, right. So what did you do from there? You started out in this rotation program, so you were getting a taste of different things you could potentially be doing. How did you make that decision of where you were going to, where you want to focus at the end of that period? Sure. I was... Uh, particularly interested in the corporate finance side and specifically uh, in an area called treasury uh, where you're basically uh, finding a way to fund uh, all the different activities of the firm and that could be a huge multi-billion dollar trading book it could be an M&A deal mergers and acquisitions deal or something like that so I found that to be pretty interesting uh, for me and uh, that's what I chose Mm -hmm. uh, for the next several years. Okay. Okay. So we're basically talking about your twenties and I'm curious to know, what did your family think about this career path? Like how did your parents view all of this? Did they feel good about your early choices? Um, they thought I was nuts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, the, they were focused more on the fact that I was coming out of undergrad with a bunch of loans and then rolling the dice into graduate school uh, with uh, a lot more in mm -hmm. terms of debt. Uh, so they were definitely from the generation of, of debt is bad and um, I should go out and actually earn some money mm -hmm. first. Uh, so again, I took the, uh, the opposite route and um, uh, obviously they were supportive, but at the same time, very uneasy with uh, that type of uh, leverage or debt that I had coming out of school and then grad school. Then, of course, going down on Wall Street was just foreign to them. I mean, they, they came from uh, backgrounds that had nothing to do with finance. And uh, as a result, it was all foreign to them. And uh, so it was it was interesting that you talk about Wall Street and investment banking. And I, I still remember my mom telling me that one of her uh, students she taught in high school um, was working at the local branch of the bank and why don't I move back home and do something like that and I said it was a little bit different but right uh, <laughs> just a little <laughs> you just go with the flow <laughs> right right and how about your friends from Westland it sounded like you knew a fair number of Wesleyan folks who were at Columbia but was this an alien concept back then in terms of your classmates or did you have enough of them who were doing the same thing that it was kind of a rank and file for them it was it was very interesting in the sense of Back then, we didn't have at Wesleyan the, the type of resources that you have, you're offering today, uh, which was one of the things that um, really I'm so pleased to see that the Career Center and the programs that you're doing is re are really designed to help 
the student find their way and find at least a good starting point for their career. Uh, back then, um, I believe the Career Center consisted of one of the little houses off of one of the little streets. Right. And it was pretty much a given. Everyone would go off to grad school or something like that. And there just was very little focus on the whole, what are you going to do after Wesley? And what does the group, the degree uh, offer you in terms of opportunities? So I think that's a huge leap forward. And I, I couldn't be more... Uh, excited to see the progress that we're making here in bringing in alums and helping the students figure out what their path is going to be. Um, at, at Columbia, we you had a lot of folks from uh, Wesleyan and Williams and Amherst and the Ivies, and, um, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat. Uh, so it, was, um, it, it wasn't very challenging at all. Uh, it was kind of interesting, but as you will find in business school, it was all business. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the days of hanging out and, you know, just kicking back were, were probably over at that point. Mm-hmm. So let's go back. You had decided to pursue Treasury. Mm-hmm. How long did you stay there and what made you leave? I stayed there about uh, another three years. Uh, and then, you know, frankly, it began to dawn on me that I didn't really much care for working on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, uh, it, it's an environment which is very exciting, but it's very transaction oriented, meaning you work on something for uh, a client and then it's over and then you move on mm-hmm. uh, to another client. And I, I pretty much realized that I, I really wanted to build something, um, find uh, some concept that really hadn't been done in the past and put my shoulder into it and actually build something from scratch, which I got bit by the bug Mm -hmm. and uh, I tried uh, to figure out exactly what that was going to be. And uh, that was probably the second part of the the journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so tell me about that next step. Sure. So after a number of years in Manhattan and uh, it was... uh, Definitely a good time. I would recommend it for people who are uh, on the younger side and starting out and single and, and uh, because it is uh, quite a vibrant mm-hmm. uh, community there. Uh, so what I did uh, after New York, uh, there was an opportunity at a uh, large, uh, if you want to call it a tech firm called First Data, um, and they had one of their large divisions headquartered out of what was then called Silicon Valley. Now it's still called Silicon right. Valley. <laughs> uh, so I, um, just like uh, Jed Clampett and the Beverly Hillbillies, I packed <laughs> up and uh, I moved from Manhattan to Palo Alto, California. Mm-hmm. And what year was this? Oh, gosh, this was probably in the early 90s. Okay. So off I went and uh, that was... The beginning of the development of the first in, uh, bubble mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the internet and the craze that was sweeping the world. Uh, and so the firm I was with did a lot of work with data and how they're being processed. And it sounds a little bit dry, but it was actually pretty interesting. Um, but it gave me a chance to build. Mm-hmm. And it was a small division within a large company, 
gave us access to capital to start building that organization into a very large organization and gave me my first taste of managing other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, um, it was a good experience. I was there for about four years or so until the final opportunity came up. Okay, okay. Tell me about that first experience managing people. What were some of the early lessons learned? It's, uh, you know, as CEO today, um, I get it. <laughs> uh, starting out, it was relatively foreign to me. And uh, when we come back here to recruit uh, for, for West students, people are always asking me, oh, what courses should I have taken? And what should I know? And, you know, do I have enough of a tech background or quantitative? And, and the answer is, uh, it really doesn't matter. What we're shooting for um, if you want to be a good manager, the best ones I've had um, were the ones who actually took the time to understand who the person is, what their personality is, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And I also went through a transitional period where in the uh, sort of early 80s, that was still the era, especially on Wall Street, where the louder you can shout and the more furniture you could throw uh, was considered uh, the norm, mm-hmm. and we moved uh, into an environment which was much more focused on, look, the whole intimidation approach to management is probably not a good idea, mm-hmm. and it's not going to work in the long term. You're just going to alienate everyone, um, and so th- that fit my mold a little bit better, uh, and so the ability to, I thought, uh, the responsibilities of managing five people were just enormous and that I would sink under the weight of it because everyone had a different personality, everyone had different strengths, um, but the idea was to draw out um, the strengths of each individual into the collective team and if you could do that, um, you know, you could have a really, really good experience and, and we were able to do that. So what was the next step from there after first data? Yeah, next step was, okay, uh, I did my gig on Wall Street, did the Silicon Valley thing, and then uh, I was approached, uh, a small handful of us were approached with an idea of uh, really starting a a company uh, that was going to be really at the forefront of what today is called big data. And back then, it didn't have a name, uh, but this was would be in the late 90s, and the concept was, um, gosh, people are out spending hundreds of billions of dollars a year trying to get you buy a, trying to get you to buy a bunch of stuff on on TV and everything else. You know, do we know who the consumer is? Um, what does he or she really prefer? And so the concept was, can we find a better mousetrap? Can we find a Mm -hmm. way to examine uh, information and data to figure out that, hey, this person uh, loves to shop, but she'll only buy when there's uh, a sale. Whereas this other person, uh, she loves to shop, but uh, she's more interested in being first in line for the latest fashion and will pay full price. Sounds Mm -hmm. very basic today and with everything so focused um, on precise marketing back in the late 90s, no one was doing any of this. Mm-hmm. So it was a brand new concept, and uh, we had capital from one of the New York uh, private equity firms, 
Uh, it was going to be headquartered down in Texas. So once again, I uh, packed up and uh, moved from beautiful Northern California in the ocean uh, to the flatlands of uh, Dallas, Texas. And you had a family by that point, I believe, as well. I was married at that point and actually, uh, actually still am. (laughs) (laughs) I should throw that one in. Uh, But uh, it was interesting because my wife actually went to Bowdoin. um, So uh, obviously couldn't quite get into Westland. Um, So we, uh, (laughs) so neither of us were were Texans by birth, uh, but we went down there and yeah, both my children were, were born there and so they're okay. native native texans and it's um it's a whole different world down there so <laughs> i have now been in the uh, great state of texas since 98 uh, and when did you realize that that's where you were going to make your career i mean you made a huge commitment obviously moving from california to texas but did you know at that point that this was going to be where you were going to be in capital letters or did that come over time that came over time, and it's it's one of the things in business that I think you know everyone should be aware of, which is, you know, there's no need to job hop if you like what you're doing and you feel that your career is exciting and rewarding. Uh, sometimes people feel they need to do that. However, you have probably an equal amount, if not more, of folks who are you know, rightly so, uh, afraid to cut the cord and try something new. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really difficult thing, but w- what I tell people is that the worst thing you can do is to stay in a career that no one really appreciates what you do, um, you're not happy, uh, you're, you're waking up, you know, three days out of five, not really looking forward to going to work. We all have the days we don't want to go to work. Um, And if that's the case and you combine it with you happen to be in an industry that is under siege, Mm -hmm. shrinking as opposed to growing, you're going to have a really difficult time. Mm -hmm. And so I often uh, caution people about, you know, just accepting it and watch uh, their careers sort of drift off uh, as the industry they're in kind of Mm -hmm. drifts off. Mm -hmm. Because in today's world in big business, uh, things are changing so fast that your best bet is to hook your wagon to uh, a sector of the economy that is dynamic and growing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's where you're going to get the opportunity. And now you obviously worked your way up in the company, but were you also making lateral moves? In other words, did you find you were learning different things over time, or did you find that you were kind of going straight up in one area? How did that work internally? Yeah, well, we weren't that big. So, uh, you know, most of us knew each other. It was uh, one of, again, the interesting things about business is that where you think you're going to be will never be where you wind up. Uh, And that's... One of the things that you need to be is extremely flexible in what you do and what you accept. So you may sit there and say, I know nothing about finance, uh, but you know what? You can learn it. Uh, I know nothing about marketing. You know what? You can learn it. And it's, it's, it's more important to go where the exciting stuff is happening. And so specifically at, at my company, uh, I started out more on the, because of my Wall Street background, uh, on the mergers and acquisition side. Mm-hmm. And then moved to chief financial officer and eventually uh, CEO 
back in 09, so it's been about seven years. And throughout that whole process, I probably had 15 different jobs okay. uh, as part of it over a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's why, to me, um, that's the excitement of going with uh, an industry that's that's growing very rapidly. Right, right, right. Was there a specific event, time point, when you realized, hey, I'm successful? Uh n- no, I think I'm still looking for that point. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 one of those things that I think if you're driven uh, to climb the mountain, you get to the top and you look for the next mountain. So mm-hmm. even today, I'm, I'm sort of sitting there going, "All right, well, Fortune 500 is pretty good. There's 500 of us, and that's right. it. Um, what's next?" Mm-hmm. And I haven't quite figured that one out. So. I think I'll try to milk this for a little bit longer. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, there was a long period there where we we did struggle quite a bit uh, with the concept of of big data and the company and would it make it? Would it be a viable entity? And you're right. when When you get up, you cut the cord, you move across the country into an unknown situation knowing that it sounds exciting, but at the same time knowing you need to put food on the table, mm-hmm. uh, it, it got very, very um, stressful mm-hmm. and, and, frankly, a little scary uh, in the early days because we didn't know if we were going to make it or not. Uh, and then, finally, when we went public in 2001, uh, we breathed a bit easier, um, but every day is pretty much uh, a continuation of Okay, in this world, in the tech world, um, how do I continue to make this mousetrap something that is unique, that can continue to grow? Uh, how do I make it exciting for the employees, uh, et cetera, et cetera? I would say the one thing I have learned over the years, which is very interesting being sort of a math guy and then a, a Wall Street guy, uh, is the fact that with 18,000 employees, I spend virtually zero uh, percent of my time doing anything quantitative or with finance mm-hmm. and I spend probably two-thirds of my time actually working on HR issues mm. uh, working on that means personnel so mm-hmm. who are my top 50 who are my top hundred folks um, can someone who manages a hundred people do they have the capacity to manage 500? Do they have the capacity to manage 1,000 people? And with that comes some very uh, significant challenges in the sense of you may have been at the company for 10 years with someone that has been superb, but you know they just can't make the next step up to go from 500 to managing 1,000. Mm-hmm. And you have to basically make the decision to bypass them. And mm. those are those are some of the difficult things. So for someone who was a, a quant guy, so to speak, I, I wind up doing virtually um, all of my time dealing with people, uh, trying to understand people, trying to motivate people, whether it's uh, clients, employees, investors, and all the stuff I thought I'd be doing, I'm not doing anymore. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I'm pleased, but I think that's one of the messages is, when you, when you get out there in the business world, what you're going to do in 10 years has nothing to do with what you're doing today. So just dive in and uh, 
do a good job at it and also keep an eye out for what else mm-hmm. uh, looks interesting. What do your parents think of you now, Ed? Uh, well, uh, they prefer that. <laughs> they still think it'd be nice if uh, I moved back to New England. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I, I guess there are just certain things I, I, I can't quite uh, get them past. So uh, the New York thing and then the California thing and the Texas thing, uh, it, I think it's it's more of uh, they would like to see their, their grandkids a bit more. So it uh, that seems to override all the business stuff. So it's a fairly humble uh, existence and uh, for those of, of you who eventually will uh, have kids um, if you ever want a humbling experience um, that's the way to do it because they don't <laughs> care who you are right but you better be there on time mm-hmm. to pick them up from the gym or something like that or you'll hear it from them. so it's um, I, I think what we found is that personality does matter a lot uh, especially at the CEO level and some of the depictions of the CEOs in big corporate America I think are overdone in the sense of these hard charging you know um, take the hill very aggressive Um, that's not really what's going on Uh, most of the CEOs I know at the fortune 500 are usually pretty thoughtful people Hmm. Uh, because they're managing large, large groups of people. And you can't do that if you all you do is just rub people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So, again, uh, what you see is not necessarily what's real. Right. What didn't I ask you that's important to know to understand your career? For me, and I don't want it to come across as advice to people, but... Um, it will come across that way, uh, which is especially at Wesleyan, where you have a lot of people from the east, mm-hmm. uh, the New York area or tri-state region in New England. Um, I would really encourage folks, especially, you know, when you don't really have other responsibilities to take the leap. And if there's an opportunity in Chicago or Silicon Valley or Texas or Denver or overseas uh, to take advantage of it, because what you'll find, the biggest regrets I've heard from people um, later on in life is the fact that, oh, gosh, I got married, I have kids or I have all these other responsibilities or I need to take care of my parents, uh, which is more and more of an issue these days. Um, in fact, that's probably the biggest issue that we're seeing. And <clears throat> they'll pretty much say, boy, I wish I had taken the chance to, to mm-hmm. have tried something else, to have gone somewhere else. And so that's all I would say is be very flexible, especially early on in your career. Don't look for the perfect job. You're not going to find it. Um, but try to find something uh, that's obviously of interest in an industry that's showing some promise for growth. Again, that's where the opportunities are. Most of uh, you who are going into big business will likely, after five to seven years, uh, go to graduate school. Um, That's pretty much the route Mm -hmm. that's sort of expected. Um, the good news is being at Wesleyan, um, there's a very good shot. You're going to go to one of the big ones, um, and it's it's a good pipeline into the big B schools. But you may come back to the company after that, uh, but I would encourage you to um, really try 
something different. Try something in a different part of the region. Uh, you may drive your, your family nuts because you're moving away mm-hmm. uh, from the comfort zone. Uh, but that's where you learn to cut your teeth. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to get, you know, we say our, our best managers are the ones with a few scars on their back. Um, that's that's where you're going to get the scars. And uh, it's a lot easier when you don't have to worry about all these other things. Right. Ed, thank you so much for joining me no, today. This has been a great conversation. Having a ball. <laughs> thank you for listening to Careers by Design, the interviews. Production by Sharon Belden Castingway. Music by Andrew Santanello. Interested in designing your own career? Check out our Careers by Design online course, available on iTunes U and the Wesleyan University website.